0: Hello and welcome to episode 103 of the Korean Ninja podcast, where each week I share vegan health transformation stories from ordinary people who have done the extraordinary and reversed their chronic diseases after adopting a low-fat, whole-food, plant-based diet. Now, I'm on holidays in sunny, sunny, sunny Noosa in Queensland, and so for the this week and next week, I wanted to make a little mini-series where I'm talking about my experience with food addiction in a little bit more depth and the things that have worked for me and haven't worked and what it's looked like and the struggles that I've had with food addiction for those of you who are interested and in my weight loss journey. So this week, I'm kind of going to be talking about, I'm just going to dive straight in. I, uh, I just really think that this topic is, i have talked about it so much and in my own episode, we talk about it. A bit my journey, but I just felt like I just felt like it is something that so many people deal with all the time. And so firstly I want to normalize it by talking about it and thinking about how, you know, we we always most people pretty much always blame themselves when they overeat or they gain weight or they fall off the wagon of a diet that they're trying out whatever. And so I want to make this two. Pa- this a two-part series, just they're, they're short episodes, 30 minutes, because number one, Ranjit's editing them. We're running late. We have to pack. <laughs> but the other reason is because I do think that there's some helpful thing, that hopefully I have some helpful insights and things to offer in relation to this topic of food addiction. After my own research, hosting this podcast now for a hundred and two episodes coaching women and running women's circles and st- as my work as a social worker, my work in mental health, my work as a, my, my work as a woman in a woman's body. <laughs> I feel like I have some things to share. So this is part one of the two-part series and a bit about my own weight loss journey and my journey as a food addict. I hope some of what I'm sharing today is helpful to you or someone that you love. If you would like more info, you can book in for a 30-minute call over at my website. If you are a member of my Patreon, you get discounts, so use your discounts. Write to me and use your discounts. Tell me I'm a Patreon member (laughs) if I've forgotten and you get a discount for working with me. Uh, And lastly, I wanted to remind you about my how-to guide, Thrive, which is available as an ebook for purchase, and the link is in the show notes, or you can find it at corinnidja.com forward slash new dash ebook dash thrive online. It is just complimentary to this episode because it's just talking about my own tips and tricks and hacks and the shopping lists and things that I use to and tips to overcome self self-sabotage, information about intermittent fasting. All those kinds of things that I have used to help me with food addiction. And it is $15 currently. It's basically a whole food plant-based guide for dummies. And it contains over 30 whole food plant-based recipes, menu ideas, and I hope you like it. So you can grab your copy over at CorinneNinja.com forward slash new dash ebook dash thrive. That's there for you. Okay. So... Food addiction. Now, as you know, if you've listened to my story and you know me, I was born ten pounds—the biggest baby in the nursery—as my whole family loved reminding me about. And it just went on from there. And I was the youngest of two brothers. They all—they were five and four years older than me. So I played a lot by myself. My parents were working on the farm all day. My brothers were doing older brother things. I was very lonely a lot. My other older brother was, middle brother was very sick with muscular dystrophy. My parents were both worried about the farm all the time and money all the time. And then they're worried about my brother Brett and his health all the time. And I... Two things happened to me. I became someone who tries to make light of even the worst situation. So I'm the jokester of the family, the person who says really inappropriate things at the wrong time, laughs awkwardly. I just have used that as my survival strategy through getting through just a really, really, really difficult time was to bring laughter into my house, even when laughter isn't appropriate. (laughs) Uh, which you notice in the podcast, if you're listening for long enough, you'll see me do it over and over again. It's been a self-preservation technique that I have adopted from my childhood to get through witnessing a sibling slowly dying and parents suffering. And you know, it's just as the youngest, that's what I. That's what. That's what happened to me. I don't. Maybe other families that may not have happened, but for me, that's what's happened. And there's been. How I've got through hard things is to find some humour somewhere, anywhere I can find and hold on to it. But I guess at the end of the day, I I lacked coping tools for dealing with long, long, long periods of trauma. And I think many of us have. There are our own versions of that. We get trauma in different ways. We get trauma from a teacher yelling at us in Kindergarten or a peer group bullying us, or we have a trauma from having an expectation that we didn't we didn't meet like we didn't we thought we'd get a better mark or we'd do better at sport or we'd be a better musician or we'd be a better poet or we'd be a better whatever it is and we, and we weren't and we got let down by that by that failure or that feel feeling of failure and or we had a parent that didn't show us love in the way we needed them to show us love. Or a parent who abused us, or a manipulative parent, or a parent that was absent or gone, or we had a death of a parent. There's all of us have our own versions of a trauma story? Mine is no more spectacular than many, many, many other people's. It's just my story. But most of us, unfortunately, with the small when we when these traumas happen to us in childhood, we 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 find whatever we can to cope. And for many, many of us, what we do, and we're taught to do it by our parents, by our society. Is it having a bad day or you're feeling lonely? Have a wine, have a coffee, have some cake, have a lolly. Not not wine when you're a kid, but you know what I'm saying. Like all of us comfort with food and most people use food for comfort. When we're crying, our parents give us a lolly or a cake or a sweet. And it just continues and continues. And so we just learn that food will be that thing. So for me, there was such a heaviness a lot of the time in my childhood and food became my comfort, you know, and and food was my mother's comfort and my grandmother's comfort. And it's, you know, it's a society, it's not none of their fault. It's everywhere we look, everywhere we turn, in the ad breaks, in, you know, on television, in between, in the marketing that's in actually in the show where there are product placements and all of those kinds of things telling us all the time, Eat this. They're right beside the cash register. They're everywhere we turn. the We get petrol. We just need petrol for our car, but we also need tons of terrible junk food. Not to put a label on it as good or bad, but we all know it's not health promoting the foods that are in the service station, most service stations. It's everywhere. It's on school. It's at Bunnings. You want to go to some, do some DIY where you might potentially be outside doing great things for your body in the sunshine, getting some vitamin D. But while you're at it, have a class one carcinogen sausage for $1 as you leave. We're not to blame is what I'm trying to say. We are not to blame. You aren't to blame. And if you've read The Pleasure Trap by... Doctors Doug Lyle and Alan Goldhammer. You will have read a lot more extensively about what I'm talking about here about how we are biologically designed and wired to seek out the highest calorie foods in our environment. And if we know that there's an apple in our fridge or a jar of peanut butter in our pantry, we are fighting, you're pushing. You're fighting a losing battle for most of us. Most people, we are biologically designed to go, okay, the, the, the peanut butter is h- much more higher in calories than the apple. And if there's a dinosaur coming to eat us, we need that peanut butter fuel, that higher calorie fuel, so we can get a, escape the dinosaur. Plus, we have the hunger and nutrient receptors in our stomachs. And if we don't get enough nutrients, we chase the dragon finding nutrients all the time. We don't fill up our stomachs enough. We're chasing to fill up that, to to switch off that fullness satiation receptor. And then we're also chasing the nutrient receptor to switch that switch off as well. And so we don't understand why we're constantly chasing these, the next food, the next snack, the next meal, but we're possibly just looking to feel full because we've been trained in this low calorie starve yourself mentality for our whole lives. And of course, you need to starve yourself if you're eating a Mars bar, a Big Mac and a paddle pop every single day or an ice cream every single day because eating those three things is a huge, it's all your calories done for the day. But if you're eating whole plant foods, you can eat a whole, whole large quantity. Turn off your satiation receptors in your stomach because you feel full and content and it's releasing beautiful energy slowly into your bloodstream. But it also switches off the nutrient receptors in your stomach, which are saying you've got all the minerals, vitamins, all those things that you need now I'm not a nutritionist in or a doctor, so I'm not going to say this exactly right. There's tons and tons of episodes for you to listen to to get more information on this, but just look up nutrient and hunger receptors and read the pleasure trap because they'll they'll they, they know what they're talking about I'm paraphrasing what they're talking about. But we think that we're needing to snack that got these cravings, but you're probably craving nutrients. Most of us are craving nutrients. And as a child, I was eating cheese, eggs, potatoes, and butter pretty much as my – and ice cream as my sustenance. And the potatoes was one potato that was just covered in mountains of cheese and butter and omelets covered in cheese and butter it was just a cheese and butter putty in my childhood. But there's barely, there's no fibre. There's no, it's not really even a large enough quantity to turn, turn off the satiation receptors. And there's no nutrients. It's just dead nothing. Yeah, there, there are some. I'm exaggerating that there's none. But compared to a Buddha bowl with kale and chickpeas and tahini and avocado and romaine lettuce and oh, beautiful butter oil-free potatoes and pumpkin and sweet potato and some beautiful kimchi that you've made at home or some beetroot and some beautiful broccoli, a one-baked potato covered in butter and cheese is not going to switch off your nutrient receptors. You're going to be hungry again very soon, and you are once again, most likely, if you're surrounded by processed foods, meat, eggs, and dairy, you're going to make yet another poor choice, which keeps you Chasing the dragon for nutrients and fullness eternally, whilst you watch your weight rapidly inc- increase, and you wonder what you're doing wrong. But you're not doing anything wrong. You're doing exactly what your biology and our society has perfectly, like the perfect storm, of the two together: capitalism <laughs> and pro, and what they've done to pro, process everything. Everything since industrialization, what, what it's done to our food and the promotion and marketing of food combined with our biological mechanisms which drive us to constantly seek out the highest calorie foods in our environment and eat those in the times of crises. And unfortunately for us, nowadays there's no real dinosaurs out there trying to get us most of the time. But unfortunately, the things, we have this Pretty much constant homeostasis of stress and the stress hormones being released because of things like social media, things like staying indoors too much, the disconnection from our communities. There are so many our careers, our families, their isolation as mothers, as parents. We are in a in a high state stress situation almost all the time, most of us, and so our bodies always think we're in crisis, and so they're always chasing those high calorie foods, even though no real terrible things are coming for us. We've just gotten ourselves into a perpetual cycle of stress and releasing stress hormones, which then has created this. And we're we're in the perfect environment to become food, food addicts as a result of that. So for me, that's what happened. I had a high stress situation, a trauma situation. I, society, my parents, my conditioning all taught me and trained me that food would be the thing that would make me happy, that would make me feel calm, that would make me feel pleasure and joy when things outside of my life were out of my control. I couldn't make my brother better. I couldn't make my my parents not be worried about him and about money. I couldn't make school easier and the, the peer pressure and the bullying and the friendship dramas and all those I couldn't make those things better. I could control what I put in my mouth and so I would choose only things that made me feel so happy temporarily which were chocolates, ice creams, cakes and all of those things and eventually those choices came and bit me on the bottom with increasing obesity as I Grew until I was you know at a hundred kilograms or more over a hundred kilograms at my heaviest, and then I had my fibromyalgia and constipation and candida and at the end multiple sclerosis and then this led me on this on this journey and Not everyone gets all of those things, obviously, but people get their own version. And when we look around, 70% or more of people are overweight, obese, or living with a chronic disease. It's a crisis, an epidemic, which is why I wanted to talk about it a bit today and talk about things that have worked for me, haven't worked for me, and things that I've just noticed. So today I'm just going to talk about dieting for a for today's episode and then next week I'll talk about self sabotage more and in more depth about the st- the stress response the myth of moderation habit forming behaviors and mindfulness journaling and all of those things because I think that this episode is just kind of going to be about why it happens and what happens and then next week's about Ways out of it, tools to use to get out of it. So I hope that it's this has been it's, this is helpful information to you. But one of the things for me that I've really loved is I've been reading this book called Mindset by Carol Dwecky. I think it's the e on the end's pronounced Dweck, Dweck, or Dwecky. Um, I've just finished it. I've been reading it for so long. I'm a slow reader, but. One thing I want to mention in this episode, as well as next week, because if you're thinking, oh my gosh, you know, I do all those things, I comfort myself with food, you're not alone. Most look around you. If if none of us had this problem, there would be no overweight, obesity, epidemic. Or maybe much less chronic disease as well. You're not alone. And what I love about Carol Dweck's book is she talks about growth mindset versus a fixed mindset. And with a fixed mindset, we say, oh, my gosh, I do this. I'm stuck. I'm always going to be hopeless. This, there's no hope for me. I can't stop myself. I'm out of control. There is no way of doing it. I've been doing this for 40 years. There's no way of fixing it. And if you read literature um, on, on the brain, on neuro neuro pathways, um, literature from Dr. Joe Dispenza and many, many, many other doctors in the book, The Brain That Changes Itself. you, You can get some really, really, really positive, encouraging information and research around how you know, if we walk a path in a field over and over and over and over again, when you think of neuro pathways, of course, that's going to form a track, a muddy, muddy, muddy track. And you can keep walking that path for the rest of your life. And of course, it's going to get deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper, that track, if you keep walking that track every day. And if you keep having the same thoughts every day and behaving in the same way every day, we're really strengthening our neuropathways to behave in that same way over and over and over again. But if we change the track and we decide to walk in a different area over and over and we repeat that over and over again, a new track will form and that track will slowly get deeper and deeper and deeper and, and the other track will slowly grow over with grass and it won't be there anymore. But or there might be a hint of it left. But the thing is, it's possible. It's always possible. If you have a growth mindset, you're thinking, I just have to keep putting one foot in front of the other and looking at how I can make that new track. How can I make that new track and commit to walking that new track every single day? Or most of the time, every single day. Like at the start, it might be you might be walking in between the two tracks a lot, or you might find yourself walking the new track for a day and then back onto the old track for a week or a month or a year, but slowly, slowly, slowly. And some people, as I've mentioned, they just go back, they go to the new track and they never go back. But if you're, I I am someone who was who was and is still a recovering food addict and if I'm around high calorie foods I am a still a fiend for them so I really have to make my home super clean now when I'm out sometimes I make mistakes and I have a more high fat food and if I'm, I'm working out of my house it's trouble but 95% of the time I'm at home and my home is a sanctuary <laughs> where I'm safe and so I try to make sure I do most of most of the things I can from my home and stay at home as much as possible because that's my safe place and I am still not confident all the time when I'm out, which might seem like as a health coach I shouldn't be saying that. I should be saying that I'm 100% all the time amazing and I have amazing six-pack and I look great all the time and I'm 50 kilos thriving and hiking volcanoes. This has been a long journey for me and I am – so much better like to now my problems are mostly if i have if i'm around tahini (laughs) unhulled so my friends always say oh my gosh corinne if only they had i don't smoke i don't drink i don't drink coffee (laughs) i i have a little problem if i if someone's got an unhulled jar of tahini nearby me and i've got some apple slices that need dipping in it but Overall, compared to how I was eating years and years ago, and I feel so good and everything's so great. If I fall off the wagon into a jar of tahini, you know, every now and again, I'm not too worried about it. But that's only because my track has slowly gotten so strong that that new track that I walk, like my worst case scenario is tahini, where it used to be cake, chocolates, chips, you know, and like, It's not my worst case scenario, but sometimes I'll have a vegan cake or I'll have something that has like a vegan brownie or whatever. And sometimes it's more often than I would like, but it's always vegan. It's always plant-based and I very, 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 very rarely would get a packaged, highly processed, high-fat vegan piece of junk food because things change. You grow, you change, and you keep going and forgiving yourself when you – Find yourself back on your old track, wearing the walking that old, well-worn path. You just keep going back to that good path. And like Josh Lejoni says, it's the W's on the board that count. They're the most important ones. Don't focus all the time on the L's and the losses. Focus on the wins. And even though I was supposed to be sharing all of that, this this part next week, I just wanted to mention that you know you. No matter what, Esther Loveridge, Hello, Esther, my spare mum, who I love so much. Esther Loveridge was seventy-five when she needed two knee replacements, and she chose to go and follow Dr. McDougall's Ultimate Weight Loss Program, and it changed her whole life. Seventy-five, she didn't need to have her knees replaced. She, many people who are you know who are in their sixties, say that it's too late for them. They've already learned all they have to learn about how they're eating and they can't change. They're too old to learn new tricks, but Esther learned new tricks. And there's been so many people out there who are making changes and are growing with their growth mindset, changing their pathways, building a whole new pathway in their 70s, 80s and beyond. It's never too late to notice that you've got a problem with food, notice that it's unhelpful, notice that it's causing you sickness and disease and making that switch to that new path. So we've formed unhelpful habits. I did. You might have. We've used them for a very, very, very lovely reason. Our little children, inner a, in a child people, we wanted to comfort ourselves. We had no one around us who was offering that for us in those times. We found food and then we found 1,000 diets that didn't work. And we try to hate ourselves healthy. And I just wanted to talk about this for the last bit of this episode, which is when I work with people in my coaching program, obviously I I give them all the information they need to follow a whole food plant-based diet. But most people who come to work with me have already tried the Atkins diet, the keto diet, the paleo diet, the other versions of starve yourself thin diet eat whole chicken breasts and broccoli on a plate for months on end and they lost their weight down to their wedding dress weight that they wanted to be and they looked great when they walked down the aisle and then they gained it all back plus more over and over again because research shows us time and time again that only two percent of people keep off weight long term that they lose and they normally gain even more back once they start regaining their weight which is normally they can they can maintain it for two years maximum. After two years, no one has kept their weight off. No one. So, Weight Watchers, Jenny Craig, all these places—not to, not to—all of those types of programs. No one keeps them off. Two percent keeps the weight off. You know, all these food meal delivery services, all these capsules, fast—you know, fasting capsules, weight loss stripping. Pills and laxatives and all these things, people are just as overweight as ever when they take them because we just can't hate ourselves and starve ourselves into wellness. And I've tried, oh my gosh, I tried so many diets, the Do Can diet. I lost five kilos in five days and I gained all five kilos back in one day. It was devastating. I ate only prawns, egg whites, because I was plant-based, so I refused to eat meat. So I just ate seafood, that that type of pescatarian, plant-based. Where I was allowed to eat egg whites and seafood for my multiple sclerosis, so I just ate egg whites and seafood Ugh. for a week. No fibre, <laughs> no nothing, just sadness because I hated myself I was hating myself thin and most of us do that time and time again we're like why can't we keep this weight off well because you keep putting the food into your mouth that makes you overweight because you hate yourself and you're like there's nothing good in my life I'm a piece of shit I'm gonna eat this cake and the cake for the two minutes you're eating the cake you're like oh yes that's delicious and your dopamine and Everything, cortisol, you're just not cortisol, it's the wrong one. What I'm talking about? Oxytocin, dopamine, you're just feeling so good with the cake, and then the cake goes and you're like, oh my god, I'm disgusting. Why did I eat the cake? Now I feel sick and fat and awful. I hate myself. And we just do that over and over and over and over again for our whole lives, hoping for a different outcome. Which is why diets are horrendous and harmful and terrible. And it's also why things like people say willpower and moderation, like they're two things that work, when if they worked, everyone would be thin. They don't work for many, many reasons. I've written a whole blog about it um, on my website called The Myth of Moderation and Why the Emperor Has No Clothes. Because the emperor has no clothes. Moderation doesn't exist because we're wired to seek out the highest calorie foods in our environment. Unfortunately, they're on every corner. Chocolate bars, chips, they're everywhere we turn. And we think, oh, why can't we have willpower? Because we're not designed to have willpower. We're designed to chase out those foods. We are in a prison. We are trapped by our circumstances. Our biology combined with our environment are just, they are the pleasure trap. So moderation just it, it can't willpower. You can't willpower. You you just have to keep making conscious choices every single day. Which is and 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 just following on from that, that is why every single guest has two top tips. Almost every single one has two things that they say keep them walking that new track. Those things are education, education. So reading, if you have access to all of the internet, you have access to so many articles about why a whole low-fat, whole-food, plant-based diet is the best diet for human health. There's the World Health Organization talking about why meat is just not great for us. There is so many articles from Dr. Cobble Essos and Dr. Neil Barnard, Dr. Alan Goldhammer, there's the whole the book the pleasure trap. There are so many the ultimate weight loss guide from Doctor John McDougall. There's all of nutritionfacts. dot org. Sorry, there are there are the Michael Greger's whole body of work on YouTube. There are Doctor T Colin Campbell the China study. Forks over knives. What the health? There is just so much. There's coming out. Game Changers is coming out next month, September. There are so many resources to use. There's this whole podcast, 101 episodes if you're scrolling back from today's episode. There are so many. Ep- inf- there's so much information out there now. There's no reason not to read it all, listen to it all, watch it all. Go to events in your area, go to talks, go to cooking classes, go to Jenny and Malcolm's Immersion. Jenny Cameron and Malcolm, Dr. Malcolm Mackay's immersions. We have them here in Victoria, in Anglesey, I think. Jenny will list it here, but I'll list her immersions in um, show notes. There are meal, whole food, plant-based meal services in Australia called Garden of Vegan, which is all low-fat, whole food, plant-based meals. They are incredible. Hi, Damien. Um you can, you can get those guys to deliver the food to your house, taking all of the stress out of eating this way, which is such a such, it's just such an incredible resource. I'm so excited that they exist. So thank you, Gardener Vegan, for all the work that you're doing. Last but not least, other thing that the guests mention all the time on this show is community. And so, you know, when you're at, most of the time when we're eating the foods that we don't We know we shouldn't eat or we don't want to eat. It's often when we're feeling just lonely and isolated and stressed and upset and worried. And most of us are eating those foods in secret at home or in isolation. Sometimes we're eating them at restaurants and we're eating them everywhere. But a lot of the time we're eating them because we have a lack of community and we have a lack of people who are following a whole food plant-based diet around us. So getting in touch with, or even if it's just online for a while or creating a plant-powered group for your area where you live if you can't get to one closest to you. Meeting up with people in the area to do whole food plant-based potluck lunches and sharing and building community that way, joining a vegan play group, going online and joining a page such as Whole Food Plant-Based Aussies if you're here in Australia or the Forks Over Knives official Facebook group or the McDougal Friends of, McDougal Friends, I think there's one called... I have one called Plant-Based and Thriving, which is on Facebook as well, you're welcome to join. They're all spaces where you can join to get community or to just surround yourself with people or to also to get information and education and resources. But the more people you have around you that eat this way, that live this way, who value whole food, plant-based eating, who also probably value the animals and the planet, people who are more like-minded the easier it is to walk that track because you'll be walking that new track with people and it feels less lonely. So that's some tips and just some discussion. I hope that that was valuable to you. Let me know in the comments if you have any questions. But, yes, my tips for you this week is firstly, number one, top tip, you're not failing you this you you set up to fail. This is you're set up to fail. You're set up to continue walking that path for the rest of your life, but you don't have to. Number two, educate yourself. Educate. Well, number two, forgive yourself. Forgive yourself. Forgive yourself. Keep going and walking on that track as often as you can, as much as you can, through every obstacle that you can. Keep walking that path. And forgive yourself. Three is to educate yourself. It helps you walk that path. Keep listening. Keep watching. Keep reading. Keep learning. Because every single new thing that you learn about this way of eating will, will further verify, confirm, and solidify your beliefs about why you should be walking that new path which is just – it's been a life – that's been the lifesaver for me. When I was trying to walk this path just from my own health, when I was just trying to walk this path just because I wanted to heal multiple sclerosis, it was hard because I didn't like myself. I didn't think I was worthy of feeling good or having good health. But once I started to think about things, for me – and I know that might not resonate with everyone listening, but for me, once I started to – make, once I made the connection with the animals – I found it so much easier to do this for them than I did find it to do for me because at that time I was so low. But once I started to think, oh my gosh, my choices literally take their lives away and cause such tremendous suffering for them, I started to educate myself on what was happening to the animals, what was happening in factory farms and in pet shops and in circuses and SeaWorld and zoos and in the leather industry and in the... Industry to animals, or the scientific research industry to animals, then it made this so much easier. So, I mean, and, and then once I started to learn about the impact on the planet, on the oceans, on our rivers, forests, air, air quality, climate change, that I further, further, further solidified it. And so it just made walking that, but learning about those two things and the future for my children's planet that they'll inherit from us, that made it just so much easier for me to keep walking that path and treading that path so if you need to do those kinds of research into those areas I'll add some links in these show notes to the things that I found super powerful and lastly community it's just so important so find some even if you're a recluse who doesn't want to go out doesn't want to see anyone doesn't want to make new friends I get it I get it I really do make friends online um, but even if even if they're not really your friends, even if they're just that you're following, James Aspie or that vegan couple or Andrew Spudfit Taylor or me or the exam room or Rich Roll or Simon over at Plant Proof. or oh, there's so many. There's just so many to pick. Oh, Fat Man Rants, good old beautiful Tim Kaufman and Heather Kaufman. There are so many people to watch, even if you just spend time with them and they don't know you're spending time with them because you're just watching their pages and looking at their stuff, it still is creating a feeling like you're surrounded by people who are like-minded. So I highly recommend seeking out. I'll list a few people in the show notes for you to look at. But, yes, definitely community, forgiveness, education, they're all things that are going to help. I'll probably be repeating many of this next week but next week i'm going to be get a bit more specific and focus on stress self-sabotage mindset and some of the things that i've found that also really 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 help when overcoming food addiction so i hope that this episode has helped you and i look forward to seeing you all next week so if you know anyone who's dealing with food addiction or can't seem to stick to a diet and is blaming themselves, maybe pass this episode on to them because it's not their fault at all. This is a very, very tricky, tricky subject, but the solution is relatively simple. It just takes commitment and a growth mindset to know that you can change your behaviours and change your whole life for the better. All right. I love you all. Thanks for listening. See you next week. Bags are packed. Are you ready to go? This time tomorrow we'll be on the road. Riding with you in the sunnier days. I wouldn't want it any other.